0: Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us, and enjoy. This morning's passage is, uh, is a fan favorite, and you may remember that I told you I wouldn't rat anyone out who's, who wrote their fan favorite. Well, today may be the reason why I won't rat anyone out. I, I honestly don't remember Someone may have put it on a connect card without saying that this was their favorite. This is an interesting favorite. (laughs) I want you to listen. Uh, It's a short scripture. It says, From there Elijah went up to Bethel. And as he was walking along the road, some boys came out of the town and jeered at him, Get out of here, Baldy. They said, Get out of here, Baldy. He turned around and looked at them and called a curse on them in the name of the Lord. Then two bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the boys. And he went on to Mount Carmel and from there returned to Samaria. May God add his blessing as we try to figure out this scripture this morning. (laughs) (laughs) If you're children, you can church. Run, Philip, run. Run. Hey, he's in a good mood. He got to stay over last night. He was in a good place. He is a lot of sunshine. (laughs) So, what just happened? What happened in our scripture? What's that? Well, it doesn't say they died. It says they got mauled. Oh, lots of people survive maulings. It doesn't say they died. So today we're gonna we're gonna build a sermon as we go. We're gonna see what. What's that? Oh no. Well, we're gonna we're gonna, I'm gonna ask the questions, and you're gonna have to answer them, and we'll have to figure this out, right? Because we gotta ask ourselves, why is this in scripture? What's that? Power in the Lord. It, oh, okay. Power in the Lord. All right. What's that? <laughs> Not to go bald. That's right. Whoever's favorite was this, obviously, was someone who was missing a little bit of hair. Not mine, but I don't know. Why does this make the scripture? It's important. Why is it important? We shouldn't make fun of bald people. <laughs> All right what's that? Bald people have the power now you guys are now we're getting some points that are worth like using in a sermon beware of the bears, beware of the bears. <laughs> don't cross the bears right this is an interesting scripture and it's really short not a lot going on like not a lot uh, of detail to what's going on right and we and we quickly can figure out that this is a kind of a wild story right in the middle of, well, near the beginning of Elisha's ministry. And it's kind of, so what we're going to do today is we're going to look at who these people were. We're going to look at what was in this scripture and get a little bit of context, because I think if we get some context to this, to this passage, we can understand it a little better. So who was Elijah? Elisha, with an S S H A. He was a prophet, right? A, a, a preacher. We call, it, we call those Old Testament prophets prophets, but they were preachers. They were, they were people who took God's word out, right? They went out and shared it with people for what reason? God told them, yeah, that, first and foremost, right? They were taking God's message out to people, and what were they saying? Well, yeah, repent, right? Repent, for, for God is coming. Repent. Get your life in order. Sort out what's going on in your life. And put God first. That's the message that they're sharing. Uh, and, and we see a lot. This is all uh, uh, in 2 Kings. There's a, there's a whole bunch. First Kings is Elijah. Uh, and then 2 Kings is, is Elisha. But if you want to read some more of the background, you can get a sense of what's going on there. But, but Elijah's job was to go out and share the gospel, telling them what God had told him to say. We also know that some prophets had it better than others, right? Anybody know who the weeping prophet was? Jeremiah, right? You know why? Nobody listened. Ever felt like you weren't listened to? Anybody a parent? (laughs) Right? (laughs) Jeremiah went like, 20 plus years nobody listening kicking him around well elisha's ministry was uh in in some ways was better than that he had a long a long ministry and uh, well that. yes, exactly when he ended up dying the king was really sad the s- king was really sad that elisha had died yeah again yeah, because he was in like three he was he 60 years so uh, over um, three kings. one of the one of the yeah one of the better right so Elisha uh he knew a guy named Elijah right and and I know this is a bit sometimes can be a bit confusing but Elijah was finishing his ministry he was also a prophet what's significant about Elijah he didn't die right he didn't die He did. Yep, that's in 2 Kings. So when Elijah met Elisha, Elisha was was doing what most people did. He was farming. He had oxen. He was out farming, doing his his work to stay alive, uh, to feed his family, to do what he was called to do at that point. And Elijah shows up, and he says, hey, you're called of God. I want you to stand in those shoes for one second. Hey, you're called of God. And Elisha says, what's that mean? No, he doesn't say, what does that mean? He says, okay, let's go. You know what he does? He slaughters his oxen, and he gives all the meat away. He burns the plow. This dude's not turning his back on God. He is going where he's supposed to. Probably a piece of why he had such a a good ministry, right? Why God was blessing him in this uh, ministry that was put in front of him. And Elijah puts on his cloak, or a a uh, shawl or whatever you want to call it, uh, it which signifies that, hey, you're going to take the mantle. You're going to be the guy who keeps it going for me. I, I, I'm going to be taken up. Now, uh, Glenn said he got taken up, right? He didn't die. Uh, and guess what? Elisha got to see that. Uh, Elijah going up in a fire, it says, right? A chariot of fire-ish. Elijah got to see that. Anything else about Elisha? That we know. Double portion, right? Yeah, Elijah says right before he leaves, he says, "What do you want?" And Elisha says, "I'd like a double portion." And so, and so, God is blessing him in that way. What else does anybody else know? Anything else he was connected to? Build a school. yet? there's there's some mi- <coughs> excuse me, <laughs> some miracles that he's connected to. Anybody know? Uh, <coughs> The miracle of the axe head. You know that. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So they're out cutting trees, getting things ready, and the axe head falls off of uh, iron, axe. iron axe head. Right. Falls off of the of the wooden and falls in the river. Who cares, right? Just go to Walmart and buy another one. <laughs> right. Go to Home Depot and get another one. The scripture says this guy, whoever it was who had it, said, "I borrowed this thing." I borrowed this axe and now it fell in the river and I'm never going to get it back and I'm going to be in trouble, right? It sounds like it was a pretty serious deal. So Elijah throws a stick out in the water where the axe had, uh, had fallen in the water and the axe head floats. And when, he, when it floats, he goes out. He's like, go get it. And they get it back. Pretty cool miracle, huh? So this Elijah guy, what does it have to do with us? What does it have to do with us? What do you think, what do you think Elijah's ministry, um, connect, how does it connect to us as people? We are, we are, right? We're all called to preach the gospel. We all have the same responsibility. See, it's easy for us to look at Elijah and say, well, yeah, that guy's, that guy's uh, he's got a job God put in front of him and I'm gonna go do my job, which is, Uh, whatever right make widgets and quickly we can we can get outside of the the realm of understanding that we all have a responsibility that we all as believers if we are a believer in christ we have a responsibility to share the gospel with others to continue to bring others into the fold to help other people along the way that is our job if you call yourself a believer in Christ, that is your job. Now, it may look different uh, in different places, in different people. It may be uh, maybe not the same for each one of us. In fact, I, I, I think that probably more often than not, it is different. And so, but we have to we have to ask ourselves this question: What is what does effective ministry look like? And I want to challenge you for a minute at Greenfield, right? Not. Not with Elisha and these bears and these uh, young men uh, who would, would um, make this story, but I want to share, I want you to, to think for a moment. How is it that Greenfield, members of Greenfield Baptist Church, make and do effective ministry? What does that take? What does that look like? And what are we doing? And, and we're starting a new year. And so when we start a new year, it's it's exciting to me to see uh, what God will uh, reveal during the year. Um, things things that we've done for a, a ton of years will continue. Some things will be new. Um, there are opportunities for each of us to be involved in ministry. And I think all too often, it's easy to come and sit in a pew and, and spend an hour and walk out the door and say, whoop oh, good, my obligation is done. I'm done. I did, I did what I needed to do for the week. I showed up, I filled the pew, and I left. And I want to challenge you this year to look for new ways, new opportunities, new, new challenges to, to ask yourself this question, what is God doing in my life? Where is God working? What am I passionate about? And what can I share with others? There are great opportunities that most of us don't even know exist. Did anybody see uh, an enclosed trailer out here this morning? There's an enclosed trailer right out there. You know, what's, you know what that's for? Me neither. I had to find out yesterday. There are Boy Scouts sleeping out in Green Acres. It was one degree this morning. And when I see them, I'm going to let them know they made it to one degree I think they're still alive. I didn't see them, but I hope so. That's a group from Harbor Creek, a group of young men being, uh, being taught, uh, discipline and growing. And, and I had a chance yesterday to just, just talk to the leaders and share with the leaders a little bit about Greenfield and share more than anything just an opportunity just to say, hey, we're happy you're here. And you know what they said? This is the best thing ever. They said we had another place, but it's nothing compared to this. This is this is so peaceful and quiet and enjoyable. And I'll let you know that not every time that I see those Boy Scouts do we get to talk about the gospel. But what we're doing is building a relationship with 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 young men with with people in our community who have the opportunity to use something that the church uh, has has already available to them. And I don't know if you know, but we have three Boy Scout troops that meet out there during the year, different times of the year. And there are opportunities for us to be connected, to be involved. Uh, I just had a, a, a guy call me last week asking about um, about another opportunity for the gym and wanting to be connected uh, that way. And, and his first initial interaction with the church was with the Boy Scouts and putting up the lights. I don't know if you know, they put up lights out there for us last year. Um, We supplied the parts and they put up all the lights for us. Those are opportunities to be involved in ministry. And I want want to challenge you uh, as believers in Christ to ask yourself this question, how am I going to be involved in 2023? Because God's calling on your life is no different than Elijah's calling on his life. I'm pretty sure it's going to look a little different. Let me know if you call any bears on little, on little kids. Probably not going to happen, right? But the reality is this. We have to ask ourselves and we have to challenge ourselves to read God's Word and to say, God, where am I going to fit? Go to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1 and it talks about um, living your life worthy of a call God has already put on your life. If you're a believer in Christ, there is a call on your life. It looks no different than mine. It may be a different call, but it's still the same call. No less important. God has put a call on our lives. If you call yourself a Christian, then there is a call on your life. And it says live your life worthy of that call. Think about that. Am I living my life worthy of that call? Am I doing, it may be that you're raising children who love the Lord and that is your call. Don't, that's not, don't underestimate that. That to me is probably one of the most important uh, spots in our lives, right? What bigger uh, responsibility is there than raising young people to know and understand and respect and love God? right we can't we can't get it doesn't get any more important you're teaching people about the next uh, the next generation about who God is and how he works and you're living by example that is effective ministry do what works right what's working what's working let's improve that let's continue to move in that direction don't get lazy i think sometimes we get We get a little older and we get a little lazier. We get a little complacent. And we we begin to want to sit and be lazy. That's, That's who we are, right? That's who we can be very quickly. It's work. It's work to draw others to Christ. It wears us out. It's an emotional toll. And I think that's perfectly fine. I think that's what God wants for us. He wants us to understand that we're going to have to lean on Him. When I started counseling, uh, my, the guy I started counseling with said, when you walk into a counseling session, if you haven't figured out the first day, you're already in trouble. He said, you need to sit in that counseling and feel uncomfortable with the situation. And then figure out with God what, where we're headed, where we're going. And I think the same thing works in our spiritual walk. We need to feel a little bit uncomfortable Some of the the best opportunities to minister, I've seen those opportunities when people step out and they're like, I don't know if I can do this, but I'm willing to take a chance. I don't know if I can teach a VBS, a bunch of kids that are in these couple, three, four rows on VBS. I don't know if I can do that, but I'm willing to take a chance. I'm willing to try. I'm willing to step out. Let me encourage you to do those things, to become involved. Dip your toe in the water. It's easy to walk in, sit down, and walk back out. And then we ask ourselves, where is God in my life? We've not stepped out. We've not stepped into the opportunities he's put in front of us. If you're already involved in ministry, don't listen to me, right? I don't, I'm not asking you to take on more than God has put in front of you. What I'm asking you to do is if you're not involved in ministry, if you're not doing something for God, and that's between you and God, if you're not doing something, you're not really reading Scripture and living your life as a follower of Christ. Because a follower of Christ is following So that was non-point one, right? Because there wasn't a a point there. The second half of this passage is kind of wild. We we get this sense that uh, a bunch of little kids were out running around. uh, A flock of little kids were out running around making fun of Elisha. Right? And it says, get out of here, small. Or they say, get out of here, baldy. Or if you read the, the old NIV, King James, it says, go up, baldy. Right? Go up. And, and I don't think that the, the new NIV does as good a job uh, translating that because it, it says, uh, get out of here. And what, what they're really saying is, go up, Baldy, like Elijah. Why don't you just die? And when they talk about small, they talk about small, they're, they're not so much talking about small children, Right? They're talking about a small brain, about uh, about small thinkers. This group of young men were small thinkers. Do you remember the, the the parable of the Samaritan? What happens when the Samaritan's going? Uh, uh, is when when the, uh, the the person is going out on the road. Who gets them? A bunch of robbers, right? My sense is. In that day, they, these people would be walking from place to place. And in those, in those moments when they were walking from one town to another, there would be places where people could hide. There would be pe- places where people would cause trouble. The police cars didn't go down those roads at that day. Right? There, was, there was no police. Right, not, not keeping an eye on these things. It's kind of like the Wild West, but before the Wild West. Right? The robbers would be out there. And my sense is that this was not a, a group of young kids uh, messing around. This was a group of, of robbers, a group a, a mob of people. And the scripture gives us a, a little bit of inclination that these were Baal worshipers, idol worshipers. You remember what Elijah had done? He had killed a whole bunch of Baal worshipers. And, and so these people knew that Elisha was connected to Elijah, And so the scripture says they were small-minded, small in their brain, not thinking. And they said, go up, Baldy. Their their temptation, their desire is that Elisha would die. They weren't happy to be around. They weren't happy to hang out. They were angry. They were a mob. They were a mob of people. who wished ill will on Elisha. They wanted to go after him. They didn't like him. They knew who he was connected to. I believe they did because they, they knew, well, the older the older version says, go up, up, Baldy. And a lot of commentaries say that, that that was the understanding there is that they wanted to kill him. They wanted him dead. They didn't like him. And so they screamed and yelled. It reminds us uh, that maybe we should be a little more quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to anger because in some weird fan favorite, two bears came out. She bears, she bears. yeah, yeah. She bears is the translation being that What happens when they're uh, uh, with female bears and cubs, right? The understanding is that those they would be way more aggressive towards people and would be uh, able to maul. Again, I don't. It says 42. That's a lot. Uh, Most commentators say that there were probably a lot more people there than 42. Right. The, The understanding is that 42 people got chewed up in some way, shape, or form. I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't give us those Elijah details. That, well, it doesn't, it doesn't say that Elijah said, send yeah, some she-bears, right? <laughs> yeah, we don't know. Maybe he did. We don't know, right? It's an interesting story uh, that, that, asks, that, that really is, is challenging. And so what, what do we get from this? What can we take from this passage? What's important in this passage? There's a couple of things that really stick out to me. And I want to share those with you this morning. It says, indeed, all those who live, uh, desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Let me ask you, have you ever suffered persecution for your faith? Have you ever been mocked for your belief in Christ? Have you ever been called out about what you believe? We live a pretty uh, safe life in America. And I think a lot of us make it through this life not ever being persecuted, not ever. Uh, being challenged in our faith, not ever being called to account for uh, what we believe. And you know what? That's a shame. It's a shame. Because it doesn't make us better believers in Christ. It doesn't force us to understand what we believe. And what happens is we walk through this this Christian faith, we get this Christian faith at five or six or seven years old, and then we live a, a very blessed life. Where we go to a church where we're not challenged or persecuted. And we grow up and we're blessed. (coughs) And we have jobs. And we continue to, to do life. And there's never any persecution. And you say, well, doesn't that sound like a great life? Here's the statistics. Do you know where Christianity is growing the most? Where it's illegal. It's not even legal. They call it, was it the 1040 line? That's not here. Christianity is growing the most in areas where people are being persecuted for their faith. Why? Because they recognize very quickly that it's real. And that God makes a difference in their life. Am I asking you to to go find places to be persecuted? No, I'm not. What I'm challenging you to do is to stand out, stand up for your faith in those areas and those arenas, and understand that persecution is part of our faith walk. And it's okay, it's okay. There are going to be those moments in our life where we find challenges in front of us. There are going to be those people who mock us. I once was mocked over a deviled egg. And you might laugh at that. I kind of laughed at it when it happened. But the person said, do you think you can eat that? That's a deviled egg. Now, I understood what was behind it. And I just kind of rolled with it. And I, I wish that was the hardest thing that ever happened, right? But the reality is there are, there are those moments where we feel persecuted, where we feel that pushback. And I think that's okay. That's what Elijah was feeling. Elisha was feeling that uh, these people, good chance they would have killed him. Good chance he might not have made it out of this situation. He was recognizing in life that there was persecution for his faith. Stand up for who you are. We are in the end times. We are nearing the end times. I can't tell you exactly where we're at because I don't know. Um, but I know this, like my grandma used to say, we're one day closer to the end than when we, uh, where we were yesterday. Right? That's what grandma used to tell me, and, uh, and I, I appreciate that. As the older I get, the more I realize um, that they were looking for uh, the Messiah to return in the, in the New Testament. Right, They were looking for Jesus to come back um, some 2,000 years ago. And so we continue to look for him to come back. And we see these signs, and we're like, it's getting worse, it's getting worse, it's getting worse. Hang on, there'll be persecution. And it will force us as believers in Christ to make decisions about what we believe. Get yourself prepared. Understand your faith. Be involved in a small group where you can be challenged. If you don't come, come on Wednesday night. Bring a question, a problem, a scripture that doesn't add up. I dare you. Uh, it's a great group. And that's just one of many opportunities. Stay for a Sunday school. There are opportunities for you to jump in. There are eight or nine adult Sunday school classes uh, that meet each week. And they're all doing different things, different topics. But that's where iron sharpens iron. Jump in those places and learn your faith. Paul uh, admonishes one of the churches when he says, listen, all you're doing is drinking milk. You're like a baby. Eat some meat. Get past the bottle. Let's go. The other thing that I I recognize in this scripture is that we can uh, can love each other deeply. We can still love those people who hurt us, even when they're sinners and sinning. It says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude, multitude of sin. There's a challenge in this for us not to curse people. Not, not to, to throw people away. Not to, not to push them out and never let them be involved in our life. Not to not give them another chance. There is an opportunity for us as believers to go the extra mile. To love them. Not love their sin, but to love them. Why? Because we were loved first. We were loved first by God Himself. I'll remind you that when you feel unloved, remember the cross. I can't promise you that your family, your friends, your acquaintances, those who you work with will love you unconditionally. I can't. In fact, I can promise you that you're going to run into people who won't. But what I can promise you is this, that God loves you unconditionally. He went to the cross because he loves you unconditionally. And here's what he asks of us. Come pick up your cross. Follow me. It's actually pretty simple. Problem is our pride gets in the way. Our pride says, Well, I'm I'm all right. I'm good. The scales are tipped in my direction. I got 51% good and 49% bad, right? And I'm okay. It's not what the scriptures say. It says that all have sinned, that all fall short of the glory of God. And there's only one way to rectify that, and that's by calling on Jesus and asking for him to come in and clean our heart up, to take that sin away, to forgive us. That's, that's how we start a relationship with Christ. And when we start that relationship with Christ, we can always go back there on a regular basis. In fact, he calls, He sends the Holy Spirit to be a part of our life so that we can go back there over and over and over and over and over to be reminded that we are loved. Because in some situations, in some families, in some, in some lives, we don't feel loved. We may grow up in a family where no one is a believer in Christ. We may be the only person in our family who loves Jesus. And those are hard situations. And in those moments, it can be pretty lonely if we don't remember the cross. If we don't remember that Jesus went to the cross for me. Why? Because he loves me so much. He loves me so much, and He wants me to follow Him. Let me encourage you this morning. If you haven't started a relationship with Jesus Christ, you may have heard about Him, but you don't know really what it means to have a relationship. I want to talk to you before you leave. I, want to, I, just, want to, I just want to share that with you. Don't leave here uh, without an understanding of who Jesus is. If you choose not to follow Him, that's on you. But if you don't know what that means, then let me let me talk to you. Talk to Brentley. Talk to. There's all kinds of people around you who know who Jesus is and love Him. Don't leave without that opportunity. Let's pray. Lord, this this passage is kind of odd, and Lord, there's some challenges in it. Challenges in understanding why why would even make the Scriptures. And yet, Lord, we see your grace and love uh, in, the, in the life of Elisha. Lord, we watch how you have worked in his life. Lord, we, we don't ga- grasp all that there is to understand in this passage. But we recognize that you are still good. Lord, we understand that the blood of Jesus covers our sins. We understand that, Lord, you are still on the throne and in control. Lord, help us to follow you like we've never followed you before. In your name we pray. Amen.